3: From Autosport.com and Autosport Magazine, I'm Martin Lee. This is the Autosport Podcast. Well, Red Bull qualified first and fourth and finished first and fourth. But it wouldn't be the fairy tale conversion of pole position to race win for Sergio Perez. Instead, it was Max Verstappen taking the win over Ferrari's Charles Leclerc by half a second with an enthralling last gas battle between the two. Carlos Sainz finishing third as Ferrari extend their constructors' lead over Red Bull. Sergio Perez did everything right, according to Christian Horner, until... That early pit stop that he took followed a lap later by a safety car with the others in the top fight getting effectively a cheap pit stop demoting Sergio down. Nothing he could have done about that. Let's analyse what happened, how it played out. What amazing afternoon of racing or evening of racing that was with Alex Kalanakis and Jess McFadden. And I know it's early stages of the season, but we saw Charles Clark pulling on alongside Max Verstappen after they finished the race, giving him the thumbs up and in the... Uh, podium and interviews afterwards lots of love shared between them saying they enjoyed the tough but fair battle between them uh, a relationship there that we hope stays positive throughout the season and talking relationships our sponsor of the podcast once again are our friends at better help online therapy relationships take work a lot of us will drop anything to help somebody else and somebody we care about but how often do you care about yourself that important relationship where you look after yourself stick around around halfway through the podcast I'll tell you about our offer with our sponsors, BetterHelp, and what we're doing with them this week. Make sure you keep listening. So, guys, I'll start with Alex. New rules, new cars seems to be working out all right then. Uh, Or have we just been lucky for a couple of races? That was a fantastic, fantastic couple of hours to spend for any racing fan watching today, wasn't it?
2: It certainly was, Martin. But I'm actually going to... I'm glad you've come to me first because I've got to pick you up on something you said on last night's podcast, which I listened to because I'm a diligent colleague. Sorry to hear that. Um, (laughs) I mean, someone's got to. (laughs) Um, Apparently, I live in a palatial bed set. Oh, you heard that. I did hear that, yeah. I thought that was quite an interesting description of my one-bedroom flat in northeast London. I can happily report that it sits... Between palatial and bedsit, it is neither of those things. A charming one-bed flat. I think that would be the description we'll go for. But no, I, that amused me greatly when I heard that. But yeah, what what a race! I mean, it, it was it was very very interesting. As uh, as you say about uh, Sergio Perez, very very unlucky with the timing of his stop. I think he was starting to struggle with his tyres. I think it looks like if you just hear the one radio message from Ferrari, it kind of looks like Red Bull got dummied into making that stop. But effectively, what Ferrari had done is do the opposite. Like there's no point pitting on the same lap as the car in front of you You you're you're definitely going to lose out or well it's just going to stay the same effectively you're gambling on pit stops going wrong and they don't tend to do that that often at Red Bull um so yeah, he was very unfortunate with the timing of the safety car, although Red Bull, let's face it, I mean, they still must be riding the high of the safety car they got in Abu Dhabi. So I don't think they can have too many complaints uh, on that front. And then it, it won the, race, uh, the team won the race anyway with Max Verstappen. Um, but yeah, you, as you say, Martin, it's the, the key thing here is the battle. Once again, a thrilling fight between Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. And I think there's, uh, I think we're now getting enough evidence to say that yes, these rule changes have really helped. They can follow each other. They can pull off overtakes. They weren't able to last year. But it's interesting. Verstappen says it's less to do with the design of the cars and it's more to do with how the tyres behave, which I know some people go, oh my God, it's still Formula One talking about tyres. They are just absolutely critical to the outcome of qualifying performances. That's why, you know, Verstappen not necessarily getting the the most out of things in both Bahrain and here in Saudi Arabia. But he seems to be thinking that's what's making the battles so exciting. But what I really enjoyed was it's not, you know, there there was sort of a sense last year, a correct sense that it was Verstappen being over the top the majority of the time going up against Lewis Hamilton, who was choosing not to have accidents. What would happen if if Verstappen tried that against another younger rival? And Charles Leclerc, I mean... I've always rated him since I covered in Formula covered him in Formula Two. He's a phenomenal driver and showing that he can really, really do it wheel to wheel. So yeah, it, we're starting to see evidence that it is the cars. It is the the new regs. Obviously, the change to the eighteen-inch uh, wheels is gonna is gonna help that. You know, it's gonna help. Um, it's, it's sort of is part of the package of changes. So um, yeah, as you say, a fantastic uh, a fantastic racing spectacle.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, this is why we watch Formula One, right? We want to see racing. <laughs> so they are delivered, which is great and kind of very much aligned with with what Alex just has just said. But for me, I think building on what Alex said and and kind of hinting at what you were suggesting there, Martin, it was the, what I really enjoyed was how clever the racing was. I think from everything was, it wasn't just about who's got the fastest car or, you know, where the the, the two the top teams today um were finding the advantages and the disadvantages and using that against one another it was about it was about the fact that they were cleverly using DRS and kind of playing mind games at 200 miles an hour which I just still find extremely impressive the fact that they can do that and I know that might sound like a really obvious thing to say but they're not just knuckleheads with fast cars they're having to think really strategically and even as Alex said you know there was no way that Leclerc was going to... Well, he, he maybe he could have gone into the pits and maybe had a go at the fact that maybe they'd have been closer out on track. But I think you're totally right. Like You're usually at a disadvantage by doing that. So I think that dummy, which he did say after the race in the press pen that it was a dummy, that they were trying to get Red Bull to blink. You know, that's clever. And then the use of the DRS and understanding how powerful or um, it it was to be able to we, we saw hints of it last time out in Bahrain we saw the hints of like if you if you can hold back and get the DRS then you have you have the advantage in the next phase of the circuit so i'm really enjoying that because i think it's again it's a, it's a you know not to say that people haven't been clever before we've we've seen it with the likes of i forget what year it was but vettel at spa knowing that he could get the jump on hamilton if he if he you know manoeuvred the car in a certain way like we're used to seeing this kind of stuff but i feel like it's really becoming almost like a characteristic of charles's driving style um and i think what really impressed me again today was that i thought that max actually was being outwitted and i think the thing that i felt maybe was that we know how he can get quite hot-headed. I thought he was going to make a mistake because he was getting so frustrated at the fact that he was making the move and then getting outdone again. Um, but actually what we saw was that Max started then playing at Charles's game. And I think that was, for me, not to say that he is an immature driver. I think he's a very... Um, how to put this politically correct without people coming for me on Twitter. Um he's he's an aggressive driver we know that and i think we well, yeah, our, said- well, our
3: boss kevin So our boss kevin turner yeah. a, a chief editor uh, comes under a lot of stick a lot of stick from from people who because he says max verstappen's not the complete package he is he's almost there he just needs patience and a bit more you know less ferocity in wheel to wheel action and so by the sounds of it what you're saying is you know what this season maybe max is now he's got the world championship under his belt He's had some time off over winter. He's kind of come back. No one's ever saying he didn't have guile, but he's just that's just another bit of his of his talent that he's been able to layer on top. It's just it's really impressive.
1: A hundred percent. And I think um what I really enjoy is that these drivers have to adapt in terms of who they're battling against, like who the battle's with. And I think that's that again like that was what I think what I felt when I was watching was that that's what we were seeing with Max it's like he knows he knows where he can apply pressure and where he needs to change his game and I think we're seeing that more and more as as he as he goes through his through his career he decided I'm not I can't I'm not going to win the aggression game with Charles because Charles doesn't seem to seem to blink when it comes to Max I don't think I think he kind of knows right well if you send it then we're both out so you're going to hurt because at the at this point in time You're trailing. You don't have any points. So it's kind of, you know, up to you, really, if you want us both to crash. But then he, then Max decided, no, okay, I'll play the clever game then. And I think we've seen that, you know, he knew how to play Lewis, he knows how to play Charles. So I think, you know, that's going to be something that as we move through the season, if, is this still going to be a, uh, like a, a a narrative that's going to m- make its way through through the season but i guess for, uh, i did see on twitter people kind of not actually liking the drs chess as i was like referring to it as like it's a bit is it a bit you know um kind of manufactured and i know that people have a problem with drs in the first place but for me it just it just showed like this is a tool that the drivers can use and they were using it cleverly so, I don't know, like I didn't particularly mind it, but I'd be interested to know what you guys thought. Well,
3: the well, thing is about the the, the DRS tactical tool versus farce thing is that it is only becomes a farce if it's the same every race. So if at every race there's a really strong DRS and it becomes a game of who can drive slowest before some paint on a track, then it's going to become a farce and it's going to become dangerous. And, you know, although last year we saw Lewis running into the back of Max, um, uh, it, it, we went out without incident today and... Uh, and I thought it was, it was interesting because they were locking, you know, uh, locking up and not looking like the complete professional racing driver that always got it totally under control. Although, to be honest, the cars do look a handful this year. Sorry, Alex, I interrupted you. Carry on.
2: No, all I was going to say is that um, I don't think you have that battle without DRS. I think that it's it, it, there's two things. It's, one, it's not like it was 50 laps of DRS passing. It was a, a certain specific point in the race where it happened. But without it... I don't think Verstappen wins that race. I think he maybe he gets close enough to make one move. And it's it's brilliant. I get frustrated when people like um, you know, in an ideal world, yeah, you wouldn't have DRS. But people do look back 20 years ago and yearn for that era that's always on the cusp of like, oh, it's better back then, it was better back then. Well, which era are you talking about? You're talking about, you know, Jim Clark, you're talking about Emerson Fittipaldi, Michael Schumacher, what what do you mean? It's always the same thing, right? But those races were people remember those amazing key moments, but it was just tended to be just one. It wasn't necessarily constant wheel-to-wheel fighting. I think with this DRS, you, you know, it's it's the same in Bahrain. It wasn't going to go on forever and it was the same here. It sort of, it just worked for that period of time. And they're so clever the way they were using it. You know, Max adapted his approach. I think, Jess, you're right. He, he does seem to be sort of, he has changed or it, it, the early evidence suggests he is sort of playing the longer game and that really was evident today because he had to wait until later on in the stint because that was just the way it played out with the tyres and he said he knew that I think he was a bit like right I can't do my usual thing and go all out on the attack early on he waited, he bided his time, he realised what Leclerc was doing in terms of using the second DRS to get back, so he was like, no, wait, you're not doing that again. And what was brilliant was Leclerc immediately recognised that, so they both lock up, Leclerc hits on the gas and just just heads off. It's like the, the the peripheral vision, like you know that helmet cam you saw Leclerc in Bahrain going left, right, left, right, left, how on earth they see anything is tremendous. Just the spatial awareness to know what your rival's doing, you're listening, you're feeling, you're hearing, it's just tremendous stuff there. Um but yeah, so I think, I think people complain, if you're complaining about that, I mean, are you ever going to enjoy Formula One if, that, if that's what you're complaining about? Like, you know, yeah.
3: Mm. Well, guess, a, a yeah. couple of things that I, <laughs> yeah. I loved about uh, today was firstly, the two cars, the two teams set their cars up differently. So you had that top end pace from Red Bull and then you had the Ferrari that could pull away in sector one. Uh, in the race, it was Max that uh, topped out the... Um, Speed Trap at 334.6 kilometres an hour. Uh, bottom of the 18 runners uh, that ran was Ferrari. Carlos Sainz, 318. And then slightly above him in 16th, Charles, uh, Charles was at 320. So there's you know, you've got an offset there of, of 14 kilometres an hour. And then layer on top the slipstream then layer on top the drs and there was just that that offset that made great racing and this new rule set and new cars where different teams not only they look different visually the bits that we can see they're setting their cars up differently but alex let me ask you you're going to be flying out to melbourne in a couple of weeks time well flying before uh, two weeks a time. Week, it's a week today yeah <laughs> yeah right experiment melbourne no drs like, it, it, would that shut up the everybody? The, the, the
1: don't wake up for the race. <laughs> would that, <laughs> would that stop the doubters, no, right? So like, would that no stop form. the doubters?
3: Would would there be a terrible Melbourne race? It's not been on the calendar for two I years. I don't think
1: that's a fair. I don't think that's a fair circuit to test this out on no. because holy moly!
3: It would stop. It would stop.
1: How about I like, just do just like one idea race? Of Experiment, Martin. But please, can we not do it out <laughs> the Park? Because I think that's <laughs> that's like f one. I think so. Like, just
2: saying. I think. Well, I think mean, there's. Two things there and one is to sorry to live so relentlessly in the in the real world um but you can't you can't have one race run to different rules is that i got annoyed about that with the sprint races last year it's like yeah have them fine experiment with race weekend format don't have them count for championship points because that's that's just not fair really um, and it'd be the same, it would be the same with Melbourne but I think the bigger problem is you would have one very boring race uh, they've done a lot of track changes they've invested a lot of money that great organisation the Australian Grand Prix Corporation I know they're really really looking forward uh, to having the race back I know a lot of a lot of they have they've had to cap ticket numbers I'm fairly sure because they just can't get the number of officials and the way things are you know going to be managed with the Covid rules and things like that phenomenal race I'm thoroughly looking forward to, to going back there but yeah, I just don't think you, I just don't think having DRS would work out. But I think what's really interesting is that, don't forget, I think the way they reach those speeds are completely different. So the Ferrari hybrid uh, upgrade they introduced at the end of last year packs one hell of a punch. So they accelerate off the corners really, really, really fast. The Red Bull has a much lower drag philosophy, so it is able to hit uh, a higher top speed. But the Ferrari can get to its top speed quicker, so it balances it out quite nicely. I do, however, suspect if the Red Bulls were to lock out the front row I don't think Ferrari would see them by the finish I think it's clearly a slightly peakier car or Red Bull just operationally we saw that last year when it came to getting the best out of the tyres in what I still maintain was the fastest package last year they're not necessarily 100% all over it but I do suspect they have just a fundamentally stronger package all round so if it were to be Red Bull starting front I think DRS or no DRS I still think Red Bull wins that fight
1: yeah, I think I think Perez Perez was on for the win today, really. If he hadn't have been absolutely scuppered by Latifi's crash, Latifi giveth, but he also taketh away. I think in the case of Red Bull, it
3: had it, been a whole twenty four hours since he'd binned it into the wall, so he was due a
2: crash. He is having a bit of a shocker <laughs> so, he of a season. He, where he, you know you've got Albon coming in alongside him on a, on a year out, and and with the greatest of respect to Albon, who is a phenomenal racing driver, he isn't George Russell, and yet he's not having the problems that Latifi's having. It is a difficult package. Obviously, it's not where Williams wants it to be. But yeah, struggle struggles in your third year for Nicholas Latifi, that's a bit difficult. Just very quickly on Sergio Perez. Jess, I'm not, I don't know. I have a sneaking suspicion. His tyres did seem to be going off just a little bit towards that stint. Leclerc was coming back to him. Christian Orner says, yeah, that that was the lap they were already planning on pitting. So strategically, they didn't lose out. They were obviously just completely screwed over by the safety car. But I wonder whether Leclerc would have been able to get him towards the end of the race and then the amount of time like I'm sure Max would have been as waved by I wonder whether that in itself would have meant that Leclerc just drives away and just about holds on I'm not I'm not really sure I think sort of the safety car ultimately did destroy Perez's race but it also might have saved Verstappen's race if that makes sense.
1: Yeah, oh, no, perfect I, think, sense. I mean it's one of those things like we just all we'll never know will we It's always going to be a what if. But I mean, I was looking forward to seeing if the Mexican Ministry of Defe- Minister of Defense was still <laughs> uh kicking because that was my biggest that was my biggest criticism of him last year. was like where the hell was this for the whole season? Like I know it was a a lot was riding on that and he really like brought out the absolute you know, defence masterclass, but I was kind of looking forward to seeing that and we didn't, we didn't get to see it and it was just a bit of like, oh, okay. But like, I it mean, doesn't matter because we still got a cracking race regardless. It's just, it's just one of those things. But yeah, it would, it would have been interesting to see if, if how that would have strategically played out. Um, but we just had a different uh, strategic and, play out. So and I think you know, don't as feel well, too just- bereft.
2: I think as well just quickly with Perez, at least he was on pole. Like I, I criticised him quite heavily last week. I think uh, Kev, uh, as you mentioned, Kevin Turner earlier. I think he was sort of arguing that I should have given him a higher rating in the driver ratings. And I was like, well, he did get bullied off the road by Hamilton, and he let a Hass by, and that you know he was absent from the lead fight. And if he'd been in there, I think oh, okay, it doesn't matter as you say, just because of the way the, the race ended with the Red Bull's retiring. But he did let Red Bull down by not being there here today. Totally done over by circumstances, but he was that he was doing the better job than Max because he got it on got it on pole position. So, you know, I, I take my hat off to him there. Credit where credit is due. Great weekend from Paris.
3: Yeah, I think we missed out on a, a team orders uh, scenario that I think would have added some spice to it today. Because after the 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 horror that was watching the end, you know, both sets of fans at the end of last year, after a winter off, I'm currently quite enjoying the. Lewis versus Max because although Lewis hasn't been in the fight really they're, they're still starting to go at each other now but uh, it's not as it's not as mean and horrible so I'm quite enjoying it at this stage and I know that I won't and I'll regret saying this on the podcast so early in the season uh, but I was I was wondering whether team orders would come into play and then you get that whole kind of oh well Max was only able to do this because he's got a, a teammate that can pull over and let him aside but we never we never saw that Max nah, Verstappen of course getting the win surely
1: not uh, look- this early in the season I don't
2: think so I think if you're Red Bull you do it. If you if you genuinely really? think you're in a fight with Ferrari, you have to do it. Because I don't, but I'm sorry, I, I know I, I get quite a lot of stick for seeing on a downer about Perez. And I think he's a really great guy. And I do rate so many of the things he's done. But he just isn't Max Verstappen. I don't think he's going to be, I could be completely wrong, fine. I just don't think he's going to consistently be able to do this weekend. And if it comes down to, as we saw last year, the last lap of the race for the points, Red Bull will be silly not to back one driver. And that team is Max's team.
1: But are you really going to kill the morale of the guy that needs <sighs> to give you the the Constructors Championship yeah, as well? no, I,
2: I see that. Are
1: you going yeah. to destroy him on race two? Because that would be, if if I was like, I think, if we're, we, we've been talking about the psychological games of Formula One, right? That, I think, would be a poor team choice. I totally agree with you. Back Max Verstappen. Back him for getting, like, basically dragging your team through to to the the, the Constructors title and obviously probably better off, better chance of getting the Drivers title too. But don't kill your second driver on... Because, I mean, look, I think we saw that happen with Bottas, right? Like, we saw how his morale was kind of beaten by having to let Lewis through. And we're talking about latter stages of the season when we kind of know you have a mathematical chance of winning, but the realistic version of that is probably that you're not in it. So I agree with you, but I can't imagine that that would be the, the right team choice to do. It would be to to kind of yeah. No, you were, We
0: were denied. We were denied <laughs> that today, though, weren't we? So, Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was
2: only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true.
0: Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary, void or prohibited by law. 18 plus terms. Conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Uh, so we've done. The, we've talked about the top three: Sergio Perez fourth, George
3: Russell. Uh, just for our listeners, how long are we in? Twenty minutes, and I haven't done the top ten. George Russell fifth, Esteban Arcon sixth. Great result for Alpine. Great result for M- McLaren. Well, we'll get onto that in a minute, actually, because it, it looks like a great result at seventh. But there were some retirements that kind of flattered that. Uh, Pierre Gasly in eighth, Kevin Magnussen, which is a great result in ninth, uh, driving a house, and Lewis Hamilton in tenth. There were 12 Twelve runners on the lead lap, I think, by the look of it, and 14 finishers, and I think the race kind of happened in three different phases. Let's kind of go through that, actually. So, there was that first phase before the first safety car, which was uh, Latifi's crash, double-waved yellows, virtual safety car, full safety car. So, Perez gets off the line. He does what he needs to do. Verstappen gets past Sainz, does what he needs to do. Kevin Magnussen gains a place at the beginning. Hamilton is up to 14th after the uh, first lap. George Russell gets Ocon around lap four. And then you get that lap seven, eight, nine section of the race. I think I'm right in saying that was the Alpine battle. And for me, that was the early highlight. So uh, let's talk about that for a little bit, because it was Alonso and Ocon... Really going at it, I think. Ocon did maybe squeeze Alonso on the on the straights a, a little. It was it was kind of a late move, but. It wasn't. I don't think it's dangerous. And then when Alonso finally gets past him, uh, a little payback and a little, a little nudge and turn two just to say, hey, I'm past you, and a sort of a little, little swerve into the wall. But that I was fantastic, letting the drivers do battle. And, of course, Alonso would go on to retire, unfortunately, with... I've not actually looked at the reason. I've not seen the team statement afterwards. They haven't said what it is. They don't know what it is oh, at this point. Okay. Which, mm, <clears throat> well, he, yeah. yeah. He, he was cruising around at 70 miles an hour. There was a display saying, Cool the car or car cooling, and that was a real shame that uh, that we lost uh, lost, lost Fernando after thirty five uh, Fernando Alonso after thirty five laps. But that battle, I loved seeing, and they got loads of TV coverage as well for uh, for their sponsors. So you know, everyone's a winner. It was great seeing them race.
1: It was
3: oh no come on
1: no it was I think there's
3: a massive butt coming
1: no I think if I'm putting my team manager hat on it hurt them it really hurt them I mean we saw that they got you know swallowed up by Bottas taking advantage of the fact that they were having a scrap together and they lost out a lot of time and I think it was good to see and I do agree with the ethos of you know the second race in kind of linked to what i was talking about with max and perez you know fine have have a bit of a barney but i think it went on just for a a little bit too long um and yeah i think so i'm all for i'm all for racing i'm all for letting them race but again like tactically for them i think it it wasn't maybe smart but hey we were entertained we know ocon can be a bit heavy-handed in wheel-to-wheel battles so i think he was pretty lucky that he had someone like fernando alonso on the other end of it although i don't know if he is maybe he's absolutely going to get destroyed by um, <laughs> off track um but hey i mean racing's racing right so i enjoyed it and then i kind of like after it, what so how long did it go on for like four laps maybe more like, like three or different four laps phases until- probably like maybe one lap too long
3: until Ocon was told to hold position, and because Ocon was challenging Alonso and getting DRS, and then Bottas, because you're right, it was hurting both of them. And so Bottas had kind of cruised up behind them at that point, and then he was told to hold position. And then on the next DRS opportunity on the straight, Bottas got past, and Ocon's on the radio saying, well, that was mismanaged. Alex, let's play fantasy team manager. What do you do in that situation?
2: Right now, you have a word of Esteban Ocon for the next race to say, do not fight your teammate like that? Like, I fully agree with Jess. Really excellent, entertaining thing to have seen. You don't do that to your teammate. Why Why did you have to drop across him so aggressively and so hard? I think that there was... I think you have to play the team game there and say, Fernando goes by, just work together to build a gap, then have your scrap. But at that point in the race, it, it's not like it was the last lap and he was. Well, he did end up having a, a drag race with uh, Lando Norris right to the line for the, for the second year in a row here in Saudi Arabia, or this time he stayed ahead. But yeah, I, I just think Esteban needed to think a little bit more like Okay, a rival team that moves fine, but not against your team mate when it's going to hold him up and piss him off. Let's face it; I don't, know if, you know, Alonso furious when he got out of the car. I bet you quite a bit of that was to do with what Ocon did to him earlier on in the race.
3: And actually, Kevin Magnussen had cruised up behind them as well, Jess, so exactly. to uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, just to agree with you, if you, if you like. Yeah, yeah, they, it, it, they, they, it wasn't just Bottas.
1: Yeah, it hurt. It hurt them on the road, and I think the other way that. Again we've been talking about smart moves and understanding how to play a race. You know, Ocon could have made a point differently by letting his teammate through and if he stuck on him and he didn't go he didn't go flying up the road, then he would have a case to say, "Alright, well, he's had his shot, give me that place back and I let me stay ahead." So there's there's different ways that you can one up your teammate that doesn't involve shoving him into the wall on a street circuit. So I think that's that's kind of like if we're going to keep it fair across the teams in terms of our uh, assessments i think that was a smart way to to have that played but again that's also down to the team to manage because these guys are alphas they don't want to they don't want to like have to give up positions or just like settle for second best then they're not going to do that so it's you know so it is up to the team to manage and we know how bad team management can go so if I was Alpine you'd have a you'd have a plan in place for if that happens again in the season
3: okay let's talk about the the next big talking point which was Latifi crash full safety car Paris had already pitted a lap earlier so we know that dropped him down to third and that's the talking point I'm going to come to you Alex to talk about um, which was Ferrari double stacked uh, because they had to it's a bit of a cheap stop as everyone's cruising around a little bit slower but when science comes out he is ahead by i don't know how much because we never got a clear picture from a decent angle sergio perez is coming around turn one there's a, a line on the track which is the safety car line we saw it on tv uh sky italia had uh, had managed to get a great shot of it and they they were showing it within a lap last week in bahrain martin brundles once again that whole thing about the stewards which is this thing that the commentators have always told us for, for forever on the TV commentary. Oh, well they have so many more cameras. They've got CCTV and the you know they you know, they they have views that we don't have. And yet they couldn't make a quick decision. On the Sky commentary they were saying they're going to leave it up to the teams more more this year with this new way of, uh, of of regulating it. What's your take on that? Should it just be as simple as telling the teams swap positions, please? Other people saying, well, actually, the rules say you can't swap positions under a safety car. You can't overtake or let someone pass. So they had to do it under racing conditions. What's your take? I understand Ferrari fans saying if you'd sorted that out earlier, then Carlos Sainz could have had a run on Max Verstappen under the restart. And that was unfair.
2: You can make that case. I think it would have been irrelevant because Carlos Sainz isn't at Leclerc's pace. So he would have fallen back behind Verstappen reasonably quickly um i think the outcome was correct in the end because you know red bull made the call they're like right you've got to let him have that position and i think the key thing is that the FIA are trying to get away from it was this race last year wasn't it it was well i mean i say last year It was only four months ago when i was there they are trying to get away from this you know the sort of bartering that went on under the red flag right it's like oh i can offer you this but i actually didn't have a problem with that i thought that was actually a, a pretty fair way of doing things and it's the same sort of like it's like well if you we advise you to give the place back. If not, this is going to the stewards. That was a continuation of that. It's just Michael Massey. I think it was the way he phrased it that people, you know, got annoyed by. Um, but anyway, with this, I think, yeah, they've the, the, the said to the teams. I mean, it's mainly in relation to off-track passing or you know, cont- you know, moves that are on the line or on the edge. They're saying just you make your call or we'll make it for you, but we're not going to tell you either way. And I think, I think that in, certainly in this instance, the right thing happened. I can kind of see why you'd you'd say, oh, it stopped uh, science having an attack on Verstappen. But I think just all things added up, it was the right outcome. I I don't think science was getting any higher than third today. And I don't think Perez was probably coming back at Verstappen and Leclerc once he got behind them, or ended up behind them, rather.
1: I don't see a massive issue with it. It obviously caused science a bit of frustration, but that's because I don't think he was quite clear on the fact of whether he was going to have it, have that position given back to him. So I was a bit... Skeptical of the whole Self-policing Angle (laughs) Um, I don't think We've really seen Anything so far I mean we're only Two races in But we've not really Seen anything so far That would lead me To support my fear Of the fact that Teams might just not do the right thing I think maybe the fear of getting a penalty or the fear of like not knowing what the stewards are going to do maybe that actually makes the teams play ball more but I think that again like that's just going to be something that that we have to keep an eye on as we move through the season
3: Are you missing FIA radio?
1: Yeah 100% Because
3: it was a long safety car period as well
1: It it was and I but I think I, think I totally understand why they've gotten rid of it and not to keep going over it, you know last season but they did look like a bunch of mugs really through it um to put it lightly you know it it just what it showed was that sometimes that there isn't a lot of clarity or there wasn't at that phase of the of race control there wasn't a lot of clarity on certain things and i think it's it's to do with the fact that f1 is has a bunch of very convoluted rules that are open to interpretation so it's actually unfortunately something that isn't going to go away overnight unless they tighten up those and have black and white rules um but i don't think as a little bit like we touched on with having drs or not having drs i don't think we'll ever be satisfied in that sense like i would i would prefer things to be more black and white a little bit like a, akin to the whole track limits of the white line sweet like we can get on board with that um and i think there does need to be a little bit more throughout f1's rule book of that happening so that we don't get those instances where on uh the race control radio that we're getting any kind of well we don't know what's going on or actually aren't these like you know teams telling race control the rules is not a good look if they get that under wraps then maybe it will make an appearance again but i think they got burned by it so much last year it's just going to be something that we now don't have a look in anymore
3: ah the relationship between teams and the stewards race control yes at times a little fractious Last year. Hopefully, we cannot talk about 2021 too much and move forward. But that leads me nicely into talking about today's sponsor of the podcast. We can't make this show without our sponsors and obviously without you listening. And if you want to support our sponsors, if it's of interest to you, let me tell you about Better Help Online Therapy. Relationships take work. Yes, if you are on the pit wall talking to Race Control, that relationship takes work. But a lot of us drop anything to go help somebody else. We'll go out of our way to treat other people well, but how often do you give yourself the same treatment? You need to look after yourself. You know, a personal story. My wife is a nurse and sometimes on a Formula One weekend, I can finish at two, three, four o'clock in the morning with the work on the podcast and the other things that I do with the team here at Autosport. And then Monday morning rolls around and our three-year-old baby is waking up and... I need to be good dad. And my wife always says, look, you don't take care of yourself first. You can't take care of other people. That's her nursing training kicking in. Well, this month, BetterHelp Online Therapy wants to remind you to take care of your most important relationship, and that is the one you have with yourself. Whether It's different for everyone, right? Whether for you, it might be hitting the gym. Maybe it's just taking the time out to, I don't know, some personal care, go get a haircut, or trying therapy. You are your greatest asset, and BetterHelp want to remind you that you need to invest the time and effort into yourself, like how you invest time into other people so much. Well, BetterHelp is an online therapy service that offers video, phone, and live chat sessions with a therapist, so you haven't got to see anyone on camera if you don't want to, or you can, it's totally up to you. Much more affordable as well than in-person therapy, and you can be matched with a therapist in less than 48 hours. If you give it a try, you'll see why over 2 million people have used BetterHelp online therapy and the one time in my life when i needed to talk to somebody else another professional i've got to admit i went into that experience thinking that i was in some way less of a man less of a guy in a little uh, way a little bit weak for not being able to work out these problems after some trauma that my family had been through and honestly it was the best thing i did that person didn't make me feel small or stupid or not being able to cope it was amazing. I highly, highly recommend it to anyone. Not just talking to the guys in the audience here, but the podcast today is sponsored by BetterHelp. And Autosport uh, listeners of the show get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash autosport. If you want to give it a try, maybe just put the feelers out, see what it's all about. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P.com slash autosport. All right, back to the podcast. Uh, I mentioned the sort of three phases of the race that I saw it play out today. That middle phase of the race was was not a case of hold steady because there was some action after the safety car came in. They were all on the hard tyres. There was that change of position where science went back. Red Bull did give the place back. We saw the first hint at the DRS battle that we would, we've already talked about between Max and Charles when uh, Magnussen and Lewis Hamilton were doing the same thing around lap 23-24 uh, where Lewis lost out the first time and then the second time wised up to it and uh, and, and got him. And then around lap 35-36 or so we had this kind of coincidental trio of failures Daniel Ricciardo's McLaren, Fernando Alonso, which we've touched on, and Valtteri Bottas in the Alfa Romeo, which is a real shame because he was having a a great day, all breaking down. And and because of the locations, uh, certainly of Alonso and Daniel Ricciardo having to close... The pit lane entry, and that particularly hurt Lewis Hamilton, who at that point had been on his original hard tyres, had made his way up to, what was that, 6th? Because he was running behind George Russell, his teammate. And so at that point, if Lewis could have come in, if pit lane entry wasn't closed, again, he could have got a, a cheap stop and it would have been a different result for him. And then... We get into the final phase of the race, which I think I think we kind of talked about first because that was all the main action to talk about. Alex, uh, anything else you want to cover off from kind of the main part of the stuff that we've talked about so far before we go into individual
2: drivers? Yeah, I think well, this may this may cover off one of those in particular. But as you, as you say about uh, Lewis Hamilton being on his starting tyres, Kevin Magnussen was also on the hard tyres, and both of them. Well, Magnussen says it outright. The nightmare scenario for that strategy was a safety car on around lap sixteen. It was like you you, you are totally screwed by that point because you've you you can't make the medium tires uh, last to the end at the pace that they need to go to. So it was all in hope for the best from that point. And Hamilton actually ends up getting screwed twice by the timing of the VSC because Magnussen was able to come in. He was okay the second time around when it came to, it came to the VSC, um, but with with Lewis, it would have, obviously it would have been advantageous to pit under the VSC, but the pit lane was closed, so he was he was screwed either way. Um, so yeah, unfortunate. It had sort of shades of uh, twenty twenty Italian Grand Prix, but obviously this time Lewis saw the boards. You know, they heard the messages. It Was quite the replay. You know, the radio message. It sounded like it was on. The I haven't actually. I've not gone back and watched the on board, but it looked like it was. He was. It was. Um, I've got to make a decision at 200 miles an hour here. Yeah, too far on the edge. Um, But yeah, so uh, as we sort of said earlier, that the safety car, the VSC, they giveth and they taketh away. and That that is ultimately what happened there. (laughs) All
3: right, there's a few drivers that I want to get into, Jess. And the first one, I think we've covered off Max and Charles pretty well, but it's, it's Carlos Sainz. I want your opinion on his season so far. Two podiums, absolutely fantastic. Out of the box, Ferrari are competitive. A real sleeping giant has woken up. And yet I can't help but feel he's been so close to something greater. He couldn't improve on his second run pace in qualifying. He couldn't get to the standard of his teammate. He couldn't match Max. And yet I feel so bad offering any critique of Carlos Sainz because two races in, two podiums. He's doing very well. Thank you very much. I'll take that. What's your take on on how he's performed?
1: He's come away both times from both races even though he's on the podium extremely disappointed i mean again he's so strange to see right it, he's well, like
0: he's
2: down about the he's result he's almost miserable
1: maybe we can take at this stage in the season we can take that as a positive because if he if he's seeing p2 as like we have to go away and learn um which is obviously that a driver's favorite line to say when they don't quite get the result that they want i want him straight up there in the title fight i think you know I, i've been a massive fan of Carlos Sainz for a long time now I think he's he's very consistent he's very steady he's very skilled um and I think he he does deserve to be at least in the mix but again you've got people like Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen and they just seem to have this like little extra something which makes them Slightly untouchable. Now, I'm sure there are going to be opportunities that Carlos will seize the moment. He's very good at seizing opportunity. Um, and I think that's, you know, we're again, we're only two races in. So I'm sure that he will get his time to shine this season if that Ferrari stays competitive, which I think it probably will. Um, but yeah, he's just, he just can't, he's not Sean yet. Um, and I'm sure Alex has maybe got a bit more analysis as to why that, that might be. Um, but I'm 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 say staying fairly optimistic but I don't know if he's quite got that extra bit to beat his teammate and that's quite tough that's quite I think there's there's such a good pairing they're so strong but it's a little bit like you know if Lewis Hamilton's your teammate you might be a really good driver but you're probably not gonna be you know the star
3: and also, that also Leclerc is Ferrari family, right? It's, you know, he, he would bleed Ferrari. So there's also that he's coming into a team where there's clearly someone who is not at the Schumacher level yet of moulding a team around, completely around themselves, but I can see the way that's
2: going for Leclerc. The sort of downer mood that he's in is a reflection of Ferrari's in this title hunt, it is real, we're going to be fighting for wins at every race, this is my chance, and I'm... I'm Uh, blowing it is too strong a phrase but he knows he's not at a close Mm. level basically what's happening is he's not confident with the car particularly when it comes to rear handling he just doesn't he's just not he's not gelling with it to this point and it's almost like when the fuel comes out in qualifying it masks it he's able He's because he's a, such a fast driver Carlos Science Jr like um, former, one of our uh, former autosport colleagues was like oh, I don't rate him because he wasn't very good in British F3 and I was like oh, okay that's one thing but did you see how good he was against Verstappen when they were at Toro Rosso like he's really quick he's really good um, and obviously you see that again in qualifying when the fuel's out he's just able to grab the car and take it and pushing Leclerc who is one of the fastest drivers like he's he's up there with Hamilton and Leclerc at uh, Hamilton and Verstappen on one lap pace so science science is a very quick driver but when the fuel goes in and it comes to those long runs the car, the lack of confidence, the 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 sort of the extra sliding and the the harder wear that puts on the tires, it just it, it exacerbates it, and that's why even though you know we had uh, a safety car and everything got compressed again, he's still you know nearly ten seconds off the lead come the finish. Plus the fact that they were massively holding each other up by fighting each other, he would have been even further behind if it just you know run to the flag with either one of Verstappen or Leclerc winning out. Um, so yeah, it's it's I think he'll get there, but. It's, it's it's like it's almost like it's almost like the mercedes package overall all the pieces are there it's like it's just how long will it take to get on top of it and by that point is he out of the title fight so he you know he, you can tell he's worried because he needs to get on top of it quickly
3: uh, we'll talk about somebody else who i was going to ask you will he ever get there but um we'll come to that driver later in the podcast um and, uh, i guess you run the, run the risk as well alex of the more that leclerc dominates like max dominates and and then has a teammate that will pick up results as and when that that's good for a title battle good for us to watch can be you know good for the team as well the constructors championship you've got two strong drivers i guess on the other hand if he does get it together if he can work out how to get this car performing when it's heavy on the long run pace and that takes points away from his teammate and you're against a team like red bull which is so clearly a one driver team sorry sergio but it is that gives a bit of an easier run to this year's title championship for max verstappen doesn't it
2: if they start to become more equal yeah exactly that exactly that i think um yeah i think i think with with ferrari i think they'd just say oh considering the last two years of hell we've been in we'll take that we'll take we'll take the problem of having to decide which one of them wins or whatever <laughs> right, yeah. but um but yeah it, 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 it that is why red bull red bull are made stronger by the fact that they just go yep, yeah, Max is our guy because we know he can deliver and I'm just actually just to go back way back when we were talking about Sergio Perez Jess you're completely right in my take of like ah yeah just 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 put him behind on the second race of the season I forgot that he's a human being I think we do that too often on the internet (laughs) and things like that and of course he would destroy his morale so no that was the the completely bigger picture view was the correct one there um but yeah I mean I I I think he'll get there it's just uh, my bigger worry if I'm Ferrari is that Red Bull start getting on top of the tires they start qualifying at the front and they just develop away from them because i think as if you look at ferrari today when it came to those you know that you know the, they were going to gain massively under the safety car but they still could not afford to have a pit stop go wrong or Verstappen was going to go past them i think what you've really seen from ferrari is that they are just—they're a, a really slick operation now. You know, they—they've learned from the pain of the last couple of years. They've built that. They all that—all that stuff that all the team saying it's usually PR guff of just like, ah, oh, we, you know, we, we learn from our adversity. We learn from bad times. Well, there is a, there is a grain of truth. It just gets repetitive hearing all the time. Is what I'm complaining about. But there is truth in there, and they have—they are nailing the high pressure situations. Like you saw it in Bahrain. They needed those bits stops to go right, and they did. So yeah, so with Ferrari, I think um, yeah they, they can take they can take the good points in that they they know they're doing it. The pressure now on is can Ferrari stay with Red Bull, which we know can develop over the course of the season. That's the bigger test for Ferrari, and I think they need to concentrate on acing that rather than worrying about their drivers fighting each other.
3: And how confident, Alex, are you of them doing it? We're in a budget cap world right now, and we're you know it's Ferrari is a team that for a couple of years has been. Off the pace, but that doesn't mean they haven't got people who are in a in a world championship winning team, right? They are uh, they are absolute top level team. They've just not been able to show it. the, the people are good enough. How is that battle going to play out? Because we're in the early stages of a new rule set right now, and any any developments they bring to the car are probably going to have a bigger incremental change than you know last year when we're working under mature rules so how do you see red bull versus ferrari in that development race
2: so i think recent history is not on ferrari's side i think you know you've got to look at seasons like 2018 when they had the fastest car at the start of the season and they just couldn't stay with mercedes and then you got into a fight where lewis hamilton's brilliant just made the difference and it blew Sebastian vettel out of the water and having said that it goes back to what i said before they've learned from the last two years of the bad times that they are, they just look like a better operation altogether. So I, I would I would take confidence from that. But I think the key thing is, is the other rule change that Formula One has only introduced, I think what was it for the start of last year? It's the very, very, very minor form of performance balancing that they've got in terms of the aero and CFD allowance. So Mercedes is allowed to run or can only run 90% of those or can run those tools for 90% of the time of what they were allowed in 2020. Uh, Haas can run at 110%. Up until halfway through the season, when it, it it gets switched and it's based on the order of the constructors championship, um, from then, so Ferrari by finishing third last year will have a little bit more than Red Bull, not much, but it can still make still make benefit of that. I think it has used its extra time that it did last year for, for for full effect. But what's really interesting is that the concepts are so different that I think both of the both teams are going to go. We've got low hanging fruit, and then we're going to be able to see. Which is the definitive definitive package? I st- I still think Red Bull has the edge, as I've sort of consistently said. Um, so yeah, I know that's a bit of a non-committal, fence-sitting, uh, Jake Box or Leg answer, but <laughs> I think he won't mind me saying that. Um, well, um, yeah. um, I don't know. He um, probably will, actually. No, I think about it, but okay. Um, I think yeah, there's there's both good and sort of worrying signs that Ferrari have overcome on that front.
3: Sure, sure. Okay, right, Jess, I want to hear your thoughts on Mercedes. George Russell said before the race, on merit, if he finished fifth, he would be uh, delighted, or you know, worse to that effect. He was aiming for fifth, and he did indeed finish fifth. A bit of a lonely fifth as well, and a bit of an anonymous race for George Russell. Doesn't mean to say that he didn't drive a good race today. Lewis Hamilton working his way up to 10th. At one point, was running behind his teammate, but again, that's before he'd stopped, and we discussed that Lewis was unlucky with the stops but generally on mercedes we're two races in now we've got a two-week break before melbourne but of course these flyaway races again it, it is more difficult but not impossible to bring major upgrades and again in a budget cap world jess i just can't wait to hear your thoughts on mercedes now we've got a bit of a, a steer on where they are
1: it's painful isn't it yes well, i'm sure it is for them um yeah it's not looking great um, but I think we knew that we knew that straight away after Bahrain that you know, they weren't gonna come to Jeddah, which is completely different from you know all the other tracks that we've got going on this season and to have found the magic fix in a week. So uh, I think actually fifth for them was pretty good. Um, so Lewis, obviously we've touched on a bit a uh, bit unlucky, but he did climb a few places on the road so I think that is certain positive things but he was outdone by a horse which is not so <laughs> certainly was not so fun so yeah I think they've got a lot to they, they, you know they've, they've said it consistently they're not ready they can't they can't get the concept working quite as well as they want to it's going to have to be something that they are continually trying to do throughout the season but obviously they're limited in what they can do so Uh, George seems so despondent like it's actually really quite tough to watch him in like the TV pens now because it's just like he thought this was his moment he thought this season was going to be the season when he could be in the championship fight having sat I'm going to put patiently in inverted commas because I don't think he was very patient at all. Certainly not um, at Imola
2: last year, was it?
1: <laughs> no, exactly. So, you know, he's 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 done three seasons at a back market team. He's now graduated to top tier and they don't have the package for him to deliver. Um but you know, I think you can't discount Mercedes, but I think also there's got to be a level of realism as to whether or not they're going to be there like can they do it can they change fundamentally change and fix the car in a season <sighs> that's a tough ask so i just don't i don't think they're going to be there this season and i think it's just going to have to be one of those times where the question's going to continually be asked throughout the season no doubt but I think this is going to be a pain season. You know, I I talked about pain races, but I don't know how quickly they're going to be able to fix the problems that they've got and get the concept working. But they've been really radical. But, uh, yeah, realism for me is saying they're not going to be in it this season and maybe they're just going to have to hope that next season they have something that works. But I don't know how quickly... Alex thinks that maybe we can they can get that turnaround.
2: Well, I'm I'm famously an optimist. I mean, I'm not, but um, <laughs> I I genuinely think I think I think Mercedes could do it. I think that engineering team with what they've got, they've gone down that route because they see potential in it. Once they can solve the porpoising problem, and they're able to run the car lower, they will get there. It's just a question of how long will that take? Will it take five more races? It will take ten more races. I have faith in Mercedes, and I think a resurgent Mercedes in the fight with a driver like Lewis Hamilton with an up-and-comer like George Russell what a story that would be taking on Ferrari and Red Bull I I, I I, would love to see it it's probably more what I'm getting at but I just think to come back to Russell I was so impressed by him this weekend like yeah. what happened yesterday in qualifying where basically um, Mercedes said to, or Hamilton and Mercedes and his engineering team went right we're going to go with this we, we, we have no other hope let's go with this extreme setup and just see what happens and it backfired massively well you have to put a good chunk of the blame on Lewis there but he's got he's got credit in the bank because he's Lewis Hamilton. He's the greatest Formula One driver of all time. Fair play. Didn't work. You know, you, it's a hiding to nothing because the car is so far out of the out of the performance pace at the moment. Russell was just like, okay, this is what I got. And he delivered it. You know, yeah, out-qualified by the Alpine, but he got him straight away at the start of the race. And I just thought it was a an important it was important for Russell to do that because I, I saw he got a bit of stick. Like after you know qualifying behind Bottas in Bahrain, I thought, well, again, he just tried something and it backfired on him in a car that you have to try things, otherwise you're gonna I mean, gonna happen, though, you are just going to end up. It's going to happen though, isn't it? Is well, <laughs> the,
1: people are people are going to throw that in his face like whenever they can because they love the drama of it,
2: you know? which which is fair. But I did think it was a bit like, nah. I think it's a bit like. Do you remember when Leclerc was promoted to F1 with Sauber and he spun in Bahrain in qualifying and everyone was like, oh, I guess he's not that highly rated. It was like, well. Three races later in Baku, he's 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 fifth in a Sabre or whatever it was. Like it, it, these these guys are highly rated for a reason, and I just think with Russell, he's he's showing his class, and and particularly this weekend, given all the off track stuff, he's the only GPDA director on site with Vettel, uh, Vettel uh, being absent. Alex Wirtz wasn't there, the chairman, so. It is painful to see him in those media pens, but he's also a sort of, he's an old head on young shoulders. You know what I mean? He's just, he's almost wise beyond his years. Um, But at the very least, he can look back on this weekend, I think from driving perspective, absolutely brilliant.
3: And he is certainly used to driving a car that is not just going to immediately put you on pole and just, steam away into the lead as much as he might have wanted to step into that car this year he is used to driving around problems and outperforming um the car and not saying that's a, a you know a good thing for him but at least he's used to that with williams and unfortunately for him it continues this year and uh, and we hope that uh, that he gets a smile back on his face as soon as possible alpine i think you know although uh, Alonso retired, Esteban Ocon recovering to sixth. I think they should be pretty happy uh, with with their weekend and and how they've uh, they've started. Alex, how are you feeling about the midfield battle at the moment? And when you look at the the times between Alpine, uh, McLaren, and we will get onto at one point, Ricardo was running last again, but he did do a very early stop. So I will I will correct myself before anyone uh, thinks that I'm criticizing him unjustly. But the same as Bahrain, like he's He's, he's he's been lost in both races and, and worked his way up. So McLaren are really struggling. Alpha tauri in there. Alpha Romeo, I think, have got some some reasons to be happy. Um but ultimately Haas as well and you look at you know they're running one car Kevin Magnussen got 18 days notice and he's beating Lewis Hamilton and in you know the second race of the year so that midfield Alex as it's as it's shaking out how are you feeling about what you're going to go and see in Melbourne in two weeks
2: oh oh very excited very excited I sort of looking back on testing I was both completely correct and completely incorrect of my assessment of the midfield how so well, and basically so? it is it was totally muddled up and there was no there's no way to get an accurate order but when you sort of you make your educated Guesses, it was like, oh, yeah, McLaren really strong in Barcelona. Yep, yep, up and coming form team. That car looks like it's got a a potential, no porpoising. Oh, it's got no downforce. Ah, okay, right. Yeah, so the brake problem really was disguising a much, much bigger issue there. So, McLaren, big trouble. Alpine, you know, sort of stand out in terms of their ahead, obviously, naturally, of McLaren, but also Alfa Tauri as well doesn't look to be the threat that it has been uh, to the top tier runners um, in, in previous seasons. But the big surprise and one thing that I kind of called it, but also I sort of quantified it in that basically Haas, I was like, I was told they could be up there as the sort of, you know, the team that is around Mercedes level or just behind it, or it could be much, much further back. It is around Mercedes level. Like, actually, I think Kevin Magnuson, while it's a great story that he's in the points again, I think, and I think he'd admit this because he's, that's the sort of guy he is. That car probably should have been sixth. I think that if he if he didn't have the neck problem in qualifying, if he didn't wasn't unfortunate with the strategy today, I think he would have been higher up. So it's both sort of good and bad. It's like, oh, he's doing an impressive job in the circumstances. But also the car is sort of like, oh, it's got such potential. So yeah, I'm 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 really intrigued to see where Haas goes for the rest of this year. And also just knowing that team, they've been through some some horrible times lately. So good for them. Finally got a package. I do think that if the Ferrari power teams are still going to be so consistently ahead of the Mercedes ones it's all going to kick off uh, politically which is very interesting that's what we like you know we like these stories as as journalists um, but yeah and then there's you know Williams has got its, its problems and its struggles and we, we're not even talking about Aston Martin I mean Lawrence Stroll must hate that because they're so far off the pace they're, they're irrelevant you know even when Sebastian Vettel comes back I like to think he'll be a step ahead of Nico Hülkenberg who is an excellent super sub but he hasn't had the full, you know, complement of testing. Still, where, where, where's that Aston going to be? It's not going to suddenly be fighting for the higher end of the of the of the points positions. And, and for a team that Lawrence Stroll has said, "I want to win world championships with it." To be in irrelevance, I'm sure is really, I'm sure they're really reeling about that. And it's unfortunate to see, but it does. That is just the game, isn't it? Someone's got to lose.
0: Yeah, completely. Jess, how are you feeling about the midfield battle?
1: Yeah, the fact that it's...
3: Super tight. It's, so, it's... And, I, and, and totally and totally muddled up for what last year gave us, in, in that we're seeing Haas... I still can't get used to seeing Haas so, so far up and fighting. And yeah, people say Ferrari B team, etc. or Ferrari Power goes a long way. But I, I love it. I absolutely love seeing these teams make that big step up. And and as they did when they entered formula 1 but people have short memories it's it's just so good to see them you know uh, with a reason to come out every weekend and think right we get a decent decent points here on on a, a wet weekend on a lucky day we could get a podium so i'm i'm loving this midfield battle it,
1: it is like in the case of Haas it's great but if you sacrifice an entire season if they didn't deliver this season why are you here <laughs> really like not to be you know, i feel like i feel like alex and i are swapping roles here i'm usually like the eternal optimist and alex has a level of cynicism and i feel like i've taken on that role and alex is the one saying no everything's great no, no, no,
2: guys th- this is no, this is good. what I'm, i like this is it. what i'm like when i've had some sleep
1: <laughs> we found the magic ingredient <laughs> This is excellent
2: it. this is it. awesome
1: um, no i
3: like it it's it's uh, i, know, I don't, are you keeping me on my toes that I, I don't know what to expect from you
2: Don't so i um, normal then, service yeah, will yeah, so resume soon, like, i'm sure i'm sure
1: especially in australia <laughs> oh when yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> that whole Just i mean stand alone like yeah i know yeah but, yeah. uh,
3: a couple of things, in case our uh, listeners uh, turned off the TV coverage, as I'm sure nearly everybody does the minute the race is over, um, some of the outstanding issues, if you're wondering about the awkward stumbling over um, each other of Alex Albon and uh, and Stroll, then Albon does have a three-place grid drop for Melbourne, and those uh, investigations into Possible speeding under the yellow flag at the end of the race. Carlos, Science, Sergio Perez, and Kevin Magnussen all given the all clear over that potential of ignoring the yellow flags in the closing stages of uh, of the event today. So let's look forward then. Oh, a, a quick look at uh, where everyone stands then. Constructors: Ferrari, seventy-eight points, fifty points clear of Mercedes. At 38 points, Red Bull just a point behind uh, on 37 points and then it's Alpine, Haas, Alfa Romeo, AlphaTauri and McLaren, Mercedes. Oh, uh, that was the one question I forgot to ask you. Uh, so Jess, um, I want to talk about Daniel Ricardo. Last year he got a pass. Right? He, he got he got a bit of a pass from journalists from the fans because he was getting used to a car and you know the the the, the last of the late breakers couldn't get his his head around the, you know, a different a different a, a car and braking system. <sighs> It's 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 tough to you know it's tough to see and he goes to his home race in two weeks time as well and he's not going to be challenging for a podium.
1: No, but that's Formula One, hard. isn't it? It's, like it's, I think it's I, I think really like that's hard just, to uh, see. if if McLaren don't have the package and the, this is just going to be what it is. I mean, it is. No one likes to see. No one likes everyone likes Daniel Ricciardo, right? Like there are very few people that don't like him, and we know what he can deliver. Um he's got that track record at least, I guess, but like did he get a pass? I don't know I think he got he's had it he's had it in the neck a, quite a few times, you know he's come under a lot of criticism um you know, Netflix love to stick the dagger in a little bit as well, so I don't know if he got a pass, but we we like j- those those things don't just disappear just because we go into an off season. Right. Like, I mean, obviously you would hope it would because you'd get the car set up right. Or maybe like McLaren would learn a bit more about Daniel's driving style and and try and adapt it slightly. But I mean, again, like there's only so much that they're going to be willing to do, because, again, that's when we talk about great drivers, some of the great drivers have been able to switch teams semi-seamlessly and be able to drive whatever they're given rather than. Have the team or rely on the team to change the car to fit them. Um, I don't, I wouldn't know what that's about because I'm not a racing driver, but you know, you do seem to see like that there are certain people that are able to do it. Like Carlos Sainz, I think, has been one of those people who's jumped from team to team and just very quickly picked up what it is that they are that he's that he's handling. Um, so, yeah, it's it's still not looking rosy for him. I think the the point was that he probably would have wanted to come into the season and, and and had a bit more of a um a chance at getting the 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 results that he was starting to at the end of last season, but the McLaren just isn't in where any of them want. I think like Lando coming home um in the points at least was was a good good finish for them. Um and obviously just missed out on a on a spot um in front of Ocon, that's something at least to to come home with uh, slightly optimistic. But yeah, I don't. Uh, there's not really much to say from my point. There's there's not really much to say about Ricardo. I think he was he. It's it's it is what it is.
2: The one, the one, just very quickly, the one good thing for Ricardo is that it's not like last year, this stage last year, where Norris was getting the really high profile results. Now, obviously, he's not going to be able to do that because McLaren doesn't have the car that's capable. But it's not like Norris is in a different stratosphere. If Bottas, Alonso don't retire, and Magnussen and Hamilton are able to pit when they want, I don't think Norris is in the points. So it's not like they're they're in a different class. But it's it's. The reason why Ricardo shouldn't get a pass for what happened last year is exactly who you just named is Carlos Science Jr. also changed teams and didn't struggle at all. So, you know, that that that's an interesting factor there.
3: Yeah, it's true. Gasly was eighth just behind Lana Norris and, and Gasly was another Gasly, driver. Who,
1: just something mm. that came out after the race, he was in intense pain. For the last 15 laps, he said the last 10 laps in particular were almost excruciating and and his his mechanics actually had to help him out of the car um, once he'd stopped in park for May. He said he had a stabbing pain in his intestines that it got worse. Every time he turned left, it got worse. Um, So obviously hoping, because that sounds like appendicitis to me. So really hoping that it's
2: i I wondered whether it was might just be extreme dehydration or something something I mean, was just not not gone right, but yeah, oh God, that didn't sound comfortable,
1: so wow. yeah, okay. for him so, to have actually you know, at least done he's somewhere that.
3: there's yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of medical support, as everyone knows, at, uh, at any Formula One round. And so he's got the best people around him to uh, to work out what's going on there. And uh, hopefully it's something that he can, uh, as you say, like a dehydration or something issue that's uh, nothing nothing more more serious. Looking at the Drivers' Championship, Charles Leclerc leading with 45 points. Carlos Sainz with 33 points. Max Verstappen in third, getting, obviously, his first, first points of the year on the board with 25 points. George Russell is fourth on 22, and Lewis Hamilton somehow. Uh in fifth with 16 points, but already that gap starting. Can I just say I want another, we, yeah, go another ahead.
1: funny moment was the fact that that Lewis had to ask if he got a point for 10th. He, he's so not used to finishing in those positions. He's like, do we even get a point no, for that? No, that can't be
3: true. Who said he it? Was that on team radio? Yeah, yeah. So Bono,
1: Bono came on and told him he was 10th and Lewis was like, do, do we even get a point for that?
2: Alright, here here we go. No, right. it, I, I, I've come i I've come full circle now. Sorry, I don't believe for a second that Lewis Hamilton doesn't know that rule. I think, no, I think awesome. that he's well and truly he's making a point. He's making it. a point there. He's just gone, oh, I oh right. Yeah, sorry. He's too clever for that. <laughs> now I've come back. I'm, my, cyni- I'm the cynical, miserable one again now. Normal service uh. has resumed.
3: Normality is resumed. Uh, hey, we're headed, you're heading off to Melbourne in two weeks t- in time. Well, in a week's time, you're getting on the uh, the plane to go the other side of the world for us, at least. And it's been a couple of years, obviously, for listeners of the Autosport podcast who are new. And I can see the download figures; they're growing all the time. So we know we have some new listeners uh, that are new to uh, Autosport and, and listening to us. Uh, just fill them in and fill everyone in, really, on on what it was like for you. So two years ago, you land the the, the role of Grand Prix editor for Autosport role that's been held by some legendary journalists over the years and uh, and that is your first mission that's your first race right so take it away from there
2: yeah so i got my dream job and then the world ended is the is the short version uh obviously not permanently thankfully um but yeah i'd um, i had a great start to 2020 in that um i was covering Formula E at the time and um we knew obviously there'd been a, a fair amount of staff uh change uh going into that year um and I knew what my role was going to be from quite early on in, in in that January so I went to Santiago for my last Formula E race with with Matt Q who's now actually you know he as as, as I'm sure you introduced uh or we've said earlier on other podcasts about Matt joining the F1 team um for this year he he came with me because he he took over in Formula E so we had a lovely holiday uh and at the time we were we were also because it's so far to go I was like you know we've gone to the other side of the world it's like a 15 hour flight we're having a holiday after this. Do you want to come back? He was like, yeah, great. Sounds excellent. Uh, Cause that's sort of, that's sort of nice guy that he is. Um, and we were filing random stories about this, uh, this coronavirus thing and how it was threatening to cancel Formula E races and all the things in China. And we're like, oh, yeah, that sounds a bit inconvenient. And then obviously, as everybody knows what a massive, uh, what massive impact it had on all of our lives. But yeah, it was a bit, it was a bit tough. Uh, just, I went all the way to Australia to do my dream job. And it was, it was quite hard not knowing, you know, when we came back, what would happen would, As we all know, Autosport Magazine had to pause for a little while everything was so uncertain would Formula One itself survive you know a lot you know because of the, the broadcast contracts in 2020 it was able to carry on but I was a little bit I mean I, did, I, I don't know about anybody else but I, I spent lockdown um, I live by myself so I spent the first lockdown totally solo so I was kind of a little bit of a, a prisoner with my own thoughts of ah is it going to happen but it did and I'm very fortunate and I'm very privileged that it did Um. so yeah I'm just really looking forward to getting to Melbourne ticking that little personal ter- personal box um, just to say yeah I've finally seen a Melbourne race because what a great city it is I was very fortunate to have a couple of days um, instead of going on to Bahrain as the plan would have been to see that race um, before I came home obviously at that time everybody didn't think that the lockdowns were going to last uh, as long as they did and it, Melbourne in particular I know what they had the world's longest lockdown so it's a really really hard time for that city so I think everybody should just look forward to this Australian Grand Prix having to me a great spectacle unfortunate that the home driver as we've said isn't going to be uh, in in win contention but just just celebrate because this, this is what life is all about Like I think, I think the last two years have taught us nothing it's that People really care about these events, you know. Uh, you know, sporting events, music events, the, the theatre. Uh, life is is for living, so just 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 enjoy it. Just just enjoy it, uh, and that's going to be my plan. Uh, yeah, when I get on that, pl- uh, that plane in a week's time. Thank you for letting me uh, just yeah rant on about my life. There. that was nice.
3: <laughs> no, it, no, it's not. It's not a rant at all. It's a fascinating story about you know. Obviously, there's. People had much bigger problems hmm. than than you know, of course, than yeah. than what than what we went through. But it was a, I w- it was always a very interesting story, that uh, a very personal story to you that you finally got that dream job. And you, it's it's Friday or it's Thursday in Melbourne, whatever day it was. I remember being back at the office in Richmond um, and just saw these calls going back and forth with you and, the, and and the management and and you know how do we keep our staff safe and do we bring you all home immediately and what's going on and um, yeah, it was a, a strange a strange time and I'm, I'm glad it's behind us. Ticket sales have been high for the Melbourne Grand Prix, but they won't be a record on the day of the event because they are limiting them. And it might well be a record over the course of the weekend, but there were some... I think what they're struggling with in the area are labour shortages, which was seen at a recent sporting event uh, and and where there were these huge queues, at you know, the burger and hot dog stands and and, and things like that. And so they have decided to... Not do a full on record number of tickets because there is a huge interest in Formula One coming back, and so they say it's they say it's covered it's sorted um normally it'd be I think the organizers said it would be sorted a month before or something, and it's going down to the wire, but they will have the staff they will have the right amount of people to look after the ticket uh in you know, ticket buyers by that event. We're really looking really, really. Uh, looking forward to it, and we can't wait to uh, to get that coverage underway. Thank you very much for listening to the Autosport Podcast today. Make sure you check out everything online, autosport.com, and the plus area, the subscriber area. If you'd like to get uh, uh, deep down and, I hesitate to say, dirty into uh, the deeper issues of uh, motorsport and racing, uh, then make sure you uh, sign up to that. It's where uh, some of the finest writing in motorsport exists but you be the judge of that check out autosport plus and of course the autosport podcast we'll be back soon